Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome to the Vice Gaming Podcast. Thanks for choosing to listen to this episode, in which I'm joined by uh, two indie games makers extraordinaire. Um, I should say that. They can retract that if they want to later on. Uh, I'm joined by Mike Bithell. Hello. And by Dan Fountain. Hello. Uh, Hello, guys. Um, Do you want to quickly tell the listener at home or on the move, wherever they might be, exactly what it is you do. Dan, why don't you fire away? Sure. Um, I work for a company called State of Play. We're a team of four or five recently, and we made a game called Luminous City. Uh, We've got another game coming out called Inks, and yeah, we we like to make indie games. Indie games. And (laughs) Luminous City did very well, didn't it? I believe it won a prestigious award roughly this time last year. Yeah, this time last year we won a BAFTA for visual achievement. That's no small... Thing, is it? That's it's, quite a it was deal. pretty epic, yeah, sitting there Did on you our show. yourself? Yeah, yeah <laughs> it, it was an out-of-body experience, honestly. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't know what was happening, but there we go. But the award just showed up the next day, and yeah. you're like, well, that was yeah. really real. Yeah, it's, uh, it's making sure that uh, we are very worried that the next game's ever going to top that. <laughs> <laughs> it's staring at us we in the office. We will get on to such pressures, I'm sure. But Mike, as well. Mike Speaking Patel, of which um, pressures, hello. Hello. Um, Yes, I mean, people might know you uh, from Thomas Was Alone and yes. uh, Volume, uh, yes. which both did okay. And, and, and you've, both done you've very seen well, one of those yeah. little BAFTA awards before as well. well I've, briefly, I've briefly, I've briefly uh, held Danny's. Uh, no, yeah, Danny uh, Wallace, the voice actor on Thomas Was Alone, was, uh, rightly won the BAFTA. He did a really great job. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a really cool ride. I'm sure we're going to talk about all of it. In great Let's depth. talk about Let's it. that ride. Yes. Um, so, yeah, as, as Dan said, you know, this is indie games. Um, mm. Indie games. What does indie games even mean in 2016? <laughs> Let's throw that open to the panel of two. Um, <laughs> very, very quickly, we're going to sort this yeah. out. But, no, I mean, you know, for, for people listening, I'm sure you're very aware of uh, what video games are and understand maybe what independent film is, what independent music is. But maybe in video games you're thinking, well, what's the difference between something like Volume, for instance, and Metal Gear Solid Five? Um, well, about fifty what? million dollars. There you go. That's um, a good start. <laughs> no, I um, yeah. It's it's ultimately um, in the words of my mother, "You're not indie. Indies are cool." Because um, <laughs> because and I think it is that weird. We're in this weird point. It's and it's happened with independent film. It's happened with independent music, where indie started off as a, as a useful description of like the means of production. You know, indep- indie came from independent, meaning not made with a publisher or you mm. know a big corporation behind it. 
But as time's gone on, you know, I think indie now is more of a, it's a genre, it's an approach, it's a state of mind. Uh, <laughs> and it kind of can mean absolutely everything and absolutely nothing, depending on who you're talking to, in exactly the same way as saying, oh, that's a cool indie film. It might be an indie film that's been funded by a mega corporation, mm. or it might be an indie film that's made as a passion project of someone for, for $10,000. Um, they both you know, deserve the mantle, I think. And I think the same is becoming true of games. Yeah. So for Dan, for you, I mean, you say you work in a team of five at the moment. Mm. I mean, when I look at a company like Frontier, for example, which is technically an independent, they're not owned by anyone and they're making Elite and they're doing a Planet mm. Coaster now, of course. And they must have, I think they've got like 200 people. Mm. So in your head, like, is that just as much an indie company as State of Play? So in my head, the fact that um, a company would be independent would mean that they are kind of more free to make their own decisions. And one issue for me, if, if my, our company was to grow that big, is then we'd have to start taking on projects or making compromises to just pay people, not have anyone like go redundant. So uh, for me, at a level where we are, we're, we're very versatile and able to make decisions that we feel artistically best. And hopefully that pays off without having to feel like we're not independent to our own to, to sustaining mm. ourselves, um, I find that more of a helpful definition of indie. Yeah, I mean, so does it come down to? I mean, you kind of said almost like a state of mind as a joke, but at the same time, bigger game studios will go through meetings with several people to decide whether or not something is appropriate to their target demographic, maybe, or to the console of choice, whatever. And maybe an independent developer or a small team just thinks, we just want to make this because it's going to be cool. I think I think you might be underestimating indies. I think a lot of <laughs> indies totally have those. I know we we do, and I think lots of indies. I think we all we're all making stuff for audiences, and you know, mm. we're we're all, you know charging money for those games. So there is, I think, there is always those convers- uh, that conversation around kind of, you know, is this something people want? Is this mm. something that we think makes sense at this budget? Or I, I I honestly feel like, and you also have, I mean, you have the the big the big studios, um, your Ubisofts, for example, releasing games that are. You know, arguably indie games. They're mm-hmm. smaller projects. They're these cool little things. I don't think that what I make is more worthy than than those projects, and, and vice versa. I think it's. I think it's all. Um, it's becoming very, very murky, and I think that's actually fine. I think that's good. I think effectively the definition of what a video game is has just broadened in a really cool mm-hmm. way, and I think we should uh, celebrate that. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you say about Ubisoft and sort of putting out. I mean, there was Grow Home, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. And Prior to that, Child of Light and... Uh, uh, the uh, one world, with the dog. The one with the dog. The World War I game. World War One. I literally, I actually handed them their story BAFTA last year and I can't think... You? What's this? Oh, Valiant oh, Hearts. Valiant yeah. Hearts, indeed. Um, you know, which which we might say are... It's not that they're taking cues from the indie sector as such, but maybe they're they're thinking, you know, we can make these smaller games mm. and because we know there's now an audience for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think that, mm. you know, companies like yours have helped bigger studios realise this, that people do want... It's not like it's a more intimate, personal experience all the time. But, you know, not everything has to be super glossy and sound like a Hollywood blockbuster. I think there's a lot of cross-pollination in both directions. I think you can look at something like, say, Gone Home, mm. um, which was made by a lot of kind of first-person shooter developers. Is they all Bioshock people. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, a few of the team. And and you look at Gone Home, and Gone Home is basically the first 45 minutes of any first-person shooter, like the story establishing stuff, uh, the stuff that I love, actually. Before, before, all, the murdering before all the murdering begins. <laughs> um, so it's gone in that direction. Of course, like Thomas was alone, it's a platformer, massively inspired by every platformer I ever played from every major company, and volume very much owes a debt to Konami with, 
Metal Gear Solid. So there's 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 that way. And yeah, I think there's definitely things you can point to in in modern games. I think a lot of mobile uh, game mechanics have found their way into all kinds of games, mm. and most of those are from games that were developed by independent studios. Uh, so that's a very obvious and straightforward one. But there's yeah, I think all over the place there are these these influences creeping in. And yes, the smaller game demonstrating that there's a market for a smaller game has been has been mm. central to that. I think one thing that's healthy for the games industry, which a lot of other industries like film would have had, is just that time to experiment. Um, and once you start upping your budgets to 50 million or whatever, mm. you start the risks go way up. And yeah, like Ubisoft and that kind of company that have started to allow Gone Home to be published by them is 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 obviously realizing that that they're allowed that by allowing their developers to do their own passion projects, which was um, Gone Home. I hear was designed from one of the animators doing this the procedural Grow, Grow Home, Grow Home. Right. Grow Home. Yeah, the sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry Grow Home yeah. um, one of the animators was playing with procedural animation right. and that just turned into a passion project um, that space to invent I think comes a lot easier um, when there's less risk because mm-hmm. um, that was kind of made like you say internally it's just like oh my god this is great guys let's see what people make of it yeah um, and then the, the fact that um, indie quote unquote indie games are are being seen as more viable and popular that allows someone like Ubisoft to realise it is worth taking a shot at yeah yeah Yeah. and it being on a PS Plus thing didn't hurt I'm sure um, after a while Um, well let's talk about we we mentioned you you know wonderful successes of of awards and great reviews as well for all games as well Dan can you tell me a little bit about you know you you mentioned it talking about like what we do next so when you are that small team and it's just you and it's not like the team shifts that much like how do you approach the next project I mean of course you had it after Thomas was alone as well Mike you Mm. know when when you're thinking you know they they love that Mm. but we can't just do that again Mm. can we Mm. you know you can't do I know Lou went into (laughs) Lumino City but you know yeah, maybe you can get away with the third. I don't know. Yeah, Luminous City Infinite. I mean, maybe that's one of the freedoms uh, of of being able to do what we want. Is if we're uh, if we feel like putting in a, in a certain direction, we can do that. Rather than the our publisher saying we want a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, we, we we're doing these projects because we love them. So we'd love to make something. Um, we from Luminous City, we want to take some of the aesthetic. We also want to take the narrative. We learn a lot about all these things and how to make them. So. Yeah, for us, we've, we kind of had a bit of downtime after Luminosity was finished. Uh, but we're working on a game right now, which is going to be released in a couple of weeks. And the way we came up with that was... Is that Inks? That's Inks. That's Inks. It's a pinball game. Uh, it's it, it's pinball, but a puzzle version of pinball. So it came for, like this, this, is, this is how we kind of come up with ideas. On a Friday, we'd just come up with anything and we'd just make... Um, whatever we wanted without any pressure. Mm. So that's one Are of the ways... Are donuts involved? They're not donuts. That's a good... It's a good show. I mean, that would make people sluggish, yeah. wouldn't it? That would not yeah. slow the process. Oh, yeah, sugar, but without the sluggishness. That's well, there's a lot of coffee. That, there that, you go. That that works. Works. <laughs> yeah. that so, so, so that came out of a passion of what, what if we take this idea and mash it with this idea and, and merge it together. So what we ended up with somewhat of a puzzle pinball game. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of oh, keep, keep, that's keep, finished. How we then, keep right? ourselves free. That's done, and it's just not out yet. Yes. It, yeah. It's, um, I mean, I'm not entirely sure when this podcast is going out. In okay. April, it'll so be it? out within April. Within <laughs> April, so maybe you've already played it. You could leave a comment below or wherever you're listening. To. Don't, don't. If you're driving a car, don't stop and leave a comment. Instead. Well, stop. And stop and leave a comment. Please stop and leave a comment. Don't comment while on the move. Don't move. Um, yes. So, Mike, for you, for yeah. to go because because you know, obviously, a, a pinball puzzle game is very different from what Luminous City was, which is a more kind of environmental based, you know, wonderfully hand built. 
Yeah. I mean, it looks absolutely bloody delicious for one of a better expression. It's just, it's just an incredible looking game. Um, Thomas was alone was very basic looking, uh, deliberately mm-hmm. so, and, and it looks wonderful in its own terms as well. <laughs> I, mean, I love the way it looks. I, I love the movement as well. I mean, Thank you. There's, there's so much fun to be had just bouncing these blocks off each other. Um, but volume, like you already said, is like you know the semi-Metal Gear inspired mm-hmm. stealth game, and I've, I've played a lot of that as well. And that's quite a switch, isn't it? Both in terms of aesthetics, game style. Yeah, it's not like you've just gone, "Hey, I'm really good at making this type of game. I'm going to make that again." It's like, "Hey, forget what you know about Mike Biffle right now, guys." Yeah, and I think that's going to continue to be honest from the things we're doing right now. I think, um, yeah, it's it's not for me. It's about it's about constantly wanting to do different things. I think that I don't think that's to do with my background. You know, I was working in, in bigger studios, mm. and you know, we would build the same kind of thing a few times, um, and 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 that's cool. And you know, companies that I've have spent you know twenty years making first person shooters make really awesome first person shooters. Mm. So I'd never I'd never knock anyone for taking that approach, but I like yeah I like to mix things up. But then at the same time, I'd say that actually a lot of these games. Uh, especially my games have a lot of similarities between them in terms of in terms of the underlying kind of design. So yes, Thomas was alone and volume are very different, but they're both puzzle games. They're mm-hmm. both kind of scratching certain itches uh, from a design point of view. So yeah, I, I think I'll continue to do that. Um, the next thing we have coming up, which I've never not said anything about yet, that is a completely different genre again to those two. Um, and the thing after that will probably be very different mm. again. It's I I, I want to keep making those those various things, but then also every now and again I, I you know get that hankering to do a sequel at some point. So <laughs> I might I might go back to one of these and, and expand it at some mm. point. Thomas wasn't quite so alone. Yeah, but... sequel names are hard. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas found some pals. Well, he does find some pals, of course he does. Yes, but I mean it's it's on the sort of tech side. I'm, I'm wondering about kind of accessibility to tools. You know, mm. we know that big devs like I walk into a big studio and they're just you know stuff everywhere I think you're quite interested in VR aren't you Mike is that something I, that's, I play with VR you I play, play with VR, VR. I mean, is that something that you can see the indie sector really grabbing hold of I and mean, I've had a lot of fun with yeah very much so at the moment at the VR moment stuff, it's, yeah. it's, it's a running joke now I think amongst <laughs> a lot of indies that like everyone's very excited about VR and, and I am I you know we're making we're making an expansion for a volume mm-hmm. which focuses on the VR which is coming along really well um, that's for PlayStation VR but um yeah, it's it's uh, it's actually getting to a point where, because everyone's jumping onto it, I'm often talking to kind of younger indies and going, yeah. maybe make something else, maybe go somewhere <laughs> like because when when indie devs have done very well, because obviously we don't have access to massive marketing budgets, we don't have access to uh, a lot of the structures where you can kind of purchase success. Um, we usually do very well when we're doing the thing that isn't the consensus yeah. opinion. So when you know. Uh, Back when you could not make a non-free-to-play mobile game, these guys made a really great um, premium mobile game. Mm. And when um, when uh, PC was dead, you know Thomas was alone did very well on PC. And then when console was dead, it did very well on console. Like it's being a step away from the crowd often works. But but VR is very interesting, and there's a lot of opportunity there. There's a lot of support from the platform holders. There's a lot of ways of getting games made on those platforms. Um, but right now, it's just everyone's just waiting with bated breath to see if gamers actually like that kit we yeah. all like it because we're nerds mm. um, but will the audience do you think vr it? is a quite a hard sell for the household i think it's a hard thing i think it's a hard sell in general yeah. simply because the experience of playing vr is very hard to convey that's the big challenge mm. you show yeah. a video or a trailer people go oh yeah i get it. it's it's a first person video game but it's it's not that and then conveying that's yeah. very tricky i think conveying a sense of what it feels like to be in a place yes. is the hardest bit like you can't possibly show a trailer for that so getting these things into shopping malls, mm. I think it's very similar. It reminds me a lot of the Nintendo Wii. 
uh, in the like Nintendo Wii you got when you held that controller in your hand. But the, the great thing about the Nintendo Wii, which VR doesn't have, is you could show a video of someone having fun Dude, with it and waving yeah, it around, yeah. and you get it. it, might, it VR's, sorry, no, it's cool. Uh, VR's tricky, I think. It reminds me of when people try and show HD TV adverts on <laughs> TV. How do you Those show those old DVD vi- uh, trailers yeah, yeah. on video- VHS where it showed like this is what VHS yeah, yeah. looks like and this is what DVD <laughs> looks like? I'm watching a VHS. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why don't you make the How do you do that but in the round? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very um, tricky, and we're all struggling to work out how. I think there's a few a few approaches that we're going to experiment with to kind of try and advertise a game for VR without mm-hmm. showing it to you in VR. Yeah, is that something that State of Play is interested in? In my head, like State of Play is a little bit more about slightly smaller not the VR can't be small but like I mean could you you do Lumino from VR could you be up that close to the cardboard well (laughs) it's a good question Um, we're going to have to get some 360 degree cameras and videos there's some very interesting stuff being done in film in VR yeah yeah there there are um, we've seen some interesting stories being told all around you and there's some really interesting like telling a story in VR you have to make sure people you know where people are looking Mm. Uh, yeah so we're interested in that we're interested in telling story um also, it throws up a lot of interesting questions for me. Um, we aren't used to making things that deliberately look exactly like the real world. So for a state of play coming from that point of view where we're definitely not thinking this needs to look like the real world, what would it be like if we were inside a model? What would it be like if we were inside a, inside a screen print or a drawing? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very interested in experimenting in the future with much, much more different questions like that. Um, mm-hmm. yeah making a whole new world a whole new aesthetic why should something have a um, physical shader on it you know it's yeah. something we've certainly experienced with our VR tests where because we're prototyping lots of things and playing with lots of ideas and and there's a very, there's going to be a pretentious term for it. It's going to be the ludonarrative dissonance of 2016. <laughs> Someone's going to come up with a term for it. But basically, there's this weird effect with VR that even if you make something that is completely, as you say, kind of completely unrealistic, completely um, just about abstract, just not necessarily abstract, but just like just nothing, like just in literally you put a flat a sphere with just flat color on mm. it, no no rendering at all. There's still a sense of of reality to mm. it in VR. There's still a sense of presence and physicality. All of those tricks that we've learned over the years of applying bump maps, you know, crazy levels of real, actual, physical shader, the technology, the second you put something in VR, it just feels real. Mm. And you don't need to lean on that stuff, which in theory opens up amazing new kind of aesthetic approaches. Mm. Um, and yeah, like I say, someone's going to come up with that a pretentious term for that idea of, I guess it's linked to presence, but this idea of the reality of a VR space. And, and that's a fun thing to play with. And in theory, yes, opens the doors wide open mm. to loads of really creative projects. Mm. And you say you're doing the volume one with Sony VR. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're obviously, you know, they're very optimistic about their, their hardware, but that kind of brings me on to kind of the, the, the platform gatekeepers for one of a better expression, which is an expression I keep repeating. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, getting like, you know, the old way of thinking about indie games is, is very much like, here's a game you play on your computer or whatever. It's not necessarily on the consoles. Mm-hmm. We, we did see Sony really switch it up, and Microsoft kind of slowly followed them. And mm-hmm. I know Thomas is on Nintendo. Thomas is on everything at this point. It's, it's, it's boring it's now. Looking bit, <laughs> it's looking a bit lonely over there, isn't it? There's not a lot on, on, on the Wii U or whatever, I mean, and, and the 3DS. But how have you both found those experiences? Because you're on iOS as well, aren't you? Yeah. With, with, so with, and, uh, you're not on, uh, Luminous is not on console. No. Is, it not? is it going to be? Well, Possibly. It, we'd love it to be. We'd love it to be. I'll <laughs> leave that there. Um, it, it, I would love to see it on console. Okay. I think it's one of those games. Yeah, it's on Apple cool. TV as well. There you go. Well, it's, I don't understand what that really means. Yeah, I love my Apple TV. I wish yeah. there was more stuff on Apple TV. I feel like I'm one of the 10 users. Of it. <laughs> yeah. It's, kind of, it's very cool. How have you both found those conversations in terms of taking your games onto these kind of big 
platform was like I've been in Sony and talked to the, the, the indie guys there from mm. you know the, the, the little team there and you know they love it they love meeting people and, and they were really selling to me this fact of like you know we're not hiding behind you know um, email signatures or anything we're mm-hmm. going out and meeting people and I love that I love the mm-hmm. way that this is kind of like this almost like tiny little not tiny like sort of a cottage industry side to massive console games sure is that in your experience like yeah, it varies from company to company I think is the polite <laughs> way of saying it um, no I think yeah there's the, 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 the big companies have gotten very good at hiring the kinds of people who can talk to us mm. who can talk to us when we show up in our t-shirts and jeans mm. <laughs> at these meetings they're not sure it's always funny whenever I visit Sony there's always like a group of like people in very nice suits mm. and then you always see like two people who are dressed like I tend to dress in the corner and, and you're like your okay there's I get I get I get who they are i get who we are yeah. um and sony i think are very good at yeah they've, they've got a team in place over there that's that's great and i think everyone does at this point um so no it's been it's been really cool it's also varying degrees of you know hands-on stuff um it, you know we're we're also on ios and android and mm. i only like we've been selling thomas was alone on android for for years and i just met someone from google for the first time a few weeks ago like it's possible to with 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 the mobile platforms it's possible to release a game on there having never met anyone mm-hmm. who actually works at the company um but that's very accessible i think that it is amazing right a it's a thing. very great it's a big open door obviously that brings with it its own complications but that's very cool consoles there there is much more kind of um organization involved in talking to these people um working with them um you know we have like literally um, my business partner Alexander. That's a massive part of his job is just dealing with platform monitors. Mm-hmm. Like it's a mm-hmm. big, it's a big job to do a, a console release still. But they're all working on fixing that and kind of speeding that process up. Mm. Yeah, I think I think that in terms of um, actually getting on the platform, one thing that's changed a lot in the several years has been digital downloads becoming normal. Because mm-hmm. um, I mean, like Steam was probably one of the biggest online stores obviously for a long time on pc but then when it was on xbox arcade you could download indie you know or small mm. small, small production games on xbox arcade but it was very much like these are the normal games that come on discs these are the weird <laughs> games that come on arcade yeah. um but now i think even the fact that sony and, and, and microsoft and xbox have full games in the same next to the same indie games mm-hmm. that are also mm-hmm. digital downloaded it, it's become much more of a accepted way of doing it uh and which gives the smaller games that aren't going to be on disc a lot more credibility i guess and then there's this weird loop back now where we're doing disc disc releases where indie's starting to do discs Mm. Um, i saw brothers on disc recently yeah we're doing volumes coming out on uh well on vita first we're using that as a test case but we're releasing a physical vita edition of volume stuff like that it's you and no one else at the moment it's 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 interesting though there there does seem to be an opportunity there is Um, it for the prestige of it actually being a product or is it um, no no it's actually like genuinely makes like business sense yeah um, there's 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 uh, there's a market out there for these for these physical games now because the physical release has become like a prestige thing in terms of um, in terms of the the player like in terms of gamers like they want to collect you know there's lots of people who yeah. collect these games okay. it makes it makes a lot of sense but the um, yeah and you also see the big companies we talked earlier about like what have you know what have the big studios kind of taken from indie and like you look at something like the Hitman release. Mm. Uh, that you can't buy that on. A, I don't think you can buy a box, can you? Not yet. Not until early next year. Yeah. So that's a game that's being released episodically. That's coming out. It's my game of the year so far. Um, but I am a massive Hitman fan, <laughs> um, and that's you know that's something that again gives credibility to this. We're mm. we're seen as real games now. We're, yeah, we're exactly. competing on a level Same playing level. field, which is yeah. great. Yeah. And does that come with certain risks? Then I mean, you you mentioned about you know how comparatively easy it was to get a game on mobile on on. Mm-hmm. on uh, 
the Play Store or maybe on the App Store. Mm. But of course, the competition there is insane. Ridiculous. Versus, you know, uh, the PlayStation Store, where you might be one of three or four games out that week. That's shifting. That's definitely shifting. I mean, we were were really lucky with volume that we didn't have much competition when we launched. But like, I think the following week, there was something like 15 games came out. Like, it's it's changing. And that's because the platforms are getting open. But that's honestly, I think that's healthy. I think that's good for us. It keeps us honest. You know, we have mm. to make good games. Yeah. yeah. And and uh, you know, yes, there's a, there's a lot of marketing involved in that, and a lot of luck as well. A lot of completely unimaginable kind of forces that you have to kind of just kind of at a, a certain point just hope for the best. Um, but but yeah, it's uh, I think that's a sign of a of a vibrant kind of community of game devs. Yeah. I mean, but, but, I mean, putting Lumino, for instance, on iOS. I mean, it already had a bit of. I, I, Hype's the wrong word, but you know it, it done yeah, stuff it already. Speed. It already, it already went a BAFTA before yeah. we put it on there as well. So but, I mean, you, you know, you're going on to. I mean, you know, having 15 games a week is all right, but like the app stores, what like 450, 500 new apps a day mm. or something. I mean, what does that do to your heads when you're going into that marketplace? Do you have to think like, well, there is luck, you know, but we have to really yeah. be on our game here, otherwise we're going to get lost in the flood. Yeah, um, I guess like Mike said, it's, it, it makes you more honest. It also kind of makes you more polished and make make sure you really really do a good <laughs> make job make sure it's on. ready yeah yeah make sure it's ready make sure yeah there's no hard edges I guess mm. um, and I guess inevitably you'll be reviewed and inevitably mm. someone will hopefully write something hopefully good mm. um, yeah from there it's kind of about exposure there's yeah. also that survivor bias that you know the games those of us who do manage to you know, have, have success on these platforms people tend to assume we're very clever and that we did it by making all the right choices um, and in many cases yeah. the people involved also think they're very clever and came up with the right choices and and often you know that's very hard to gauge where you necessarily got it so right you know yeah and does that help as well having that precedent like whatever you guys do next you know oh yeah state of play I know them they made Lumino City mm-hmm. they won that BAFTA that was amazing mm-hmm. I want to see what they do next you know for volume, I guess it's like what well, he Thomas learned. Thomas yeah, we had, yeah, we get a lot of we get a lot of um, a lot of benefit from that. I I definitely in the PC and console space. I'd say on I don't know how you feel about it, but I definitely say on mobile platforms. I don't think the audience is necessarily as aware of that history. Um, is that fair? Yeah, potentially. Uh, I think a lot of people seem to find games on the App Store front page as opposed mm. to reading the blogs, and there they're less likely to know or realize who mm. made it. Mm. So you might check the reviews more. The like, so in the mobile space, maybe user reviews is a yeah, is a or thing. featuring yeah. by platform holders. Yeah. I mean, it, it comes yeah. down to the of getting as many eyeballs to see your yeah. game as possible, ultimately, and having a as you say, like a polished kind of you know making people want to purchase it. Goes back to mm. like trying to make a nice box, or, mm. you know, making mm. those kind of things. But yeah, no, I, I, I certainly it certainly. I mean, it helped us with volume a lot. You know, that launch. Um, you know, we had a lot of people just ready to do reviews and the coverage went up straight away because there was a press and, and you know, fingers crossed that'll continue for a few more games. Um, and uh, it, it, certainly, it certainly helps. Uh, but the key thing as a developer is to try and work out ways that, you know, you use that not just to sell your stuff, but also to help other people and to kind of mm-hmm. pull as many people up the ladder as possible before the door slams shut. You see, I like how you mentioned that helping other people. There. I did wonder if, you know, when you put yourself, well, when you get into this position of recognition, if, A, if you get questions from other people, other people want to make games like, you know, how do I do this? And secondly, if you can actually find the time to occasionally, like, not put an arm around someone and go, come with me, I'll show you the ropes. But, like, you know, mm-hmm. give a people a little leg up. Like you say, like, you know, if you find yourself in a position where you can talk about someone else's amazing game, you can mm-hmm. do, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we, have to, we make the time because ultimately 
enough people have helped us on the way. Mm. So it's. I think I, I'm pretty outstanding. Uh, I find it quite outstanding. The uh, indie game community are so helpful to each other and so friendly. And if you're chatting to someone, there's no rivalry. It's literally like, I really like what you do. And that's mm. genuine. Um, so it is very. Na- it seems very natural at the moment. In, the, in Well, I think, I think we groups. all understand that we're not, I mean, on some level, maybe we're competing with each other, but ultimately we're just trying to create the best things yeah. we can create. And there's no, you know, your there's game no, doing very well doesn't damage my business. And, and we have no material motive. No. Or, so yeah, why not so. help each other to make as good games as possible? And also there's a lot of, you know, it's always very exciting because most, well, I might say 99% of indie developers are also, you know, massive fans of video games. So it's always exciting to find, you know, new voices doing new interesting work and mm. and support them. And yeah, we we do, um, we, we, we've, help many projects in terms of like well literally in financial terms but also kind of just giving advice and support and just trying to like you know mm. be a be a member of the community so if someone is listening here and they're like i've got a great idea for an indie game or just a video game forget about taking the other question talking about i've got a great idea for a video game what are their first steps for making a video game let's assume they have some rudimentary knowledge of programming and stuff make a know? video game that's the first just, and last just make it yeah people always like i think people think that there's some <laughs> magical or slow process involved but ultimately mm. like i mean every engine at this point there's a free version mm. um grab it grab grab an engine that you think if you're making something that you think uh should be it would work in 2d very well get yourself game maker if you think that it would work in 3d um make it in unity and if you think that unity games are ugly get unreal um <laughs> it's all it's a it's yeah. a really straightforward process find an engine start playing and and i think that the big thing that the big thing that i always say to people is that idea that's in your head for a game um, if that idea doesn't sound super simple to you, if your if your idea is GTA with dinosaurs, pause, <laughs> wait for that because you're going to have the opportunity in maybe a decade to make mm, that game. Yeah. Um, I always try and suggest people make something small, make make pong, yeah. but make it good. Yeah. You know? what, what, what I think is important, like I said with the uh, project with Inks, um, just we had an idea, we prototyped it as quickly as possibly mm-hmm. could, showed it to our friends in the pub, whatever, like just get people playing and talking about it. It doesn't need to look nice. It just needs to like literally function. And I think well, that that's if you're coming from the idea of the actual gameplay uh, like uh, procedure being uh, interesting and different. Um, I think that's key to a lot of things. A lot of other things like the aesthetic and the polish will come later. Just make sure you have something playable. That key system, if you will, that kind of you want to call it like that kind of reward loop yeah. or something is there like i do something you're mechanic, i get something yeah. back yeah, i do yeah. something i get something back yeah, yeah but I, I just just and it's fine it's fine to make to, it's fine not to make something innovative and cool straight away mm. it's fine to make pong or if you're feeling particularly clever try and make tetris <laughs> uh, tetris is actually really tricky to make so so go for that um but i i, I kind of i always want i always suggest to people just make something because because the process of making games, the process of finishing games, mm. putting a menu system on there, making it so you can save yeah. your game, all these kind of things, that would take you half the time, and it's not the yeah, and it's not the it's not the sexy bit, you know, it's not you know, game jams are great and they're fun, but you kind of the, the reason they're great and they're fun is because you kind of miss out all those boring steps mm. that you have to do, um, but just get making stuff, get playing. And accept that, you know, the first thing you make is going to be absolutely terrible. And the second thing you make is going to be pretty bad. And, but slowly, there's going to be something that you make, maybe five, six games down the road, that yeah. you're actually, like, ready to say, no, this is a this is a thing. This mm. is cool. Mm. What, what's fantastic nowadays is that you don't necessarily need a degree in computer science because mm-hmm. you're not going to be making the whole thing from scratch. Uh, you can use other people's uh, assets or engines. You can make something unique. Within legal with, reasons, 
completely. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. These things are free and open now. So you could make something that's uh, at the core unique, but just borrow other people's art for a while uh, from the the asset store, for example, on Unity or, you know, the whole of Unity engine. You don't need to... Well, make make about rectangles. Yeah. (laughs) Rectangles, that was a good look. You just never finished, did you? I never finished. I've got GCSE in math. Wasn't there a clone of Thomas Thomas Wiseau? There's been a few projects inspired by Thomas Wiseau, I'd suspect. Unquote, yeah. Um, But no, it's, it's... yeah, I think you're. I think you've really nailed it. There is like I think people assume that computer games yeah. are harder to make than they they are anymore. You know, there's been a massive swell, and yeah, the game. You know, volume. Um, people. You know, have hopefully either played it or seen stuff of it. Volume is a complex stealth game which has a bunch of mechanics that I loved from uh, stealth games when I was mm-hmm. a kid, and I made all of the gameplay in that game. I coded myself. Um, you know, we had lots of other people come in to do UI and server and all the really tricky stuff, but the, the core gameplay stuff is all me, and I literally have a GCSE in maths. I have no formal kind of programming trait. Like, it's in, it's possible. An idiot like me can do it. So anyone <laughs> listening who even under... If you understand anything about computer code, you're already a better programmer than me. So if I can do it, you can do it. Excellent. Well, just finally then, just what's coming next? Like, obviously, Vita volume and, and you've got your game just just remind us before we sign oh we're doing so we're doing the the vr version of uh, volume which is called volume coder which is a free expansion to the game on playstation 4 which will be coming out around the launch of playstation so vr october-ish right uh i couldn't possibly put a, a date officially yeah. on anything that's happening with uh, regards right, to sony's platform okay. um but uh so there's that and then uh like i said there's a there's a thing we're working on that is kind of super secret, but that's a that's a smaller thing. We're just kind of making a little thing to because of an idea we had. Um, and then we have a podcast called the Bithel Games Podcast, which is about the boring side of I've game. I've heard game. it. Have you I listened to this? Listened to so it. we have a podcast that fixates on the dull bits of game development. It's kind of <laughs> it's 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 because all the other podcasts do about you know game design and art and code and all the stuff I love. Our one is um, is a series of conversations. I'm being incredibly mean about my my colleagues, but it, like we had our lawyer on there, we've had HR people, we've had <laughs> like people who do the kind of the stuff you don't often hear about in game dev. So that's something we do as well. Um, I think that's enough plugs from me. <laughs> Dan, yeah. So you've got uh, inks, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so we are finishing up a uh, iOS game and hopefully eventually Android uh, mobile game. It is. <sighs> Yeah, uh, it, it, it's a beautiful pinball game. So it's designed to look like a piece of art. And mm-hmm. as you complete the level, you're actually splashing ink, which runs and drips and gets pushed around by the ball. So when you're finished, you have this amazing piece of modern art. And <laughs> <laughs> But it also gets more challenging. It tricks you, it teaches you, it, it, it gets more um, components come in and steps you through hundreds of, uh, about 150 at launch pubs, puzzles, more to come. Yeah. And in the long term, we have some more some more secret projects. They're mostly secret because you don't know what they are yet. But <laughs> what we're trying to do is we're trying to take all of the things that we're passionate about, Luminous City, the narrative, potentially the aesthetic, certainly the ways of working, and the non-conventionalness, and re-channel that into some amazing so piece that we're trying to work on. Yeah, so we're just very slowly like seeing what, that ha- what happens with that. Amazing. Well, thank you both for coming in, and thank you at home or wherever the hell you are for listening uh, this has been the Vice Gaming Podcast come back next time won't you I mean we won't know for it's sure a bit needy Mike come it's on. a bit needy <laughs> bye <laughs> bye hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 